I want you to turn with me in your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 2 and also Genesis 14. And um, I'm going to take time tonight to preach. I was going to say maybe 10 minutes. <laughs> but it's not April 1st, so I'm not going <laughs> to... Um, so, I, I, but seriously, this is just something that, that God had stirred in my heart as a result of the message Sunday morning about Abraham's altar and Lot not having an altar. And there was a time in Lot's life when he was living in Sodom and Gomorrah and they were overthrown by another kingdom and everything that they had and their goods were taken as captives and Lot and his family were taken as captives um, Abraham never faced anything like that, never faced an invasion, never faced an enemy horde that came against him and robbed him and plundered him, never faced his family, his wife, his children being ravaged or raped or whatever, or pillaged from war. He lived with God and God said to Abraham, I will be your exceedingly great reward. God said to Abraham, I will make you, I will make you, I will make you. You read the I wills of God towards Abraham. It's, it's wonderful what God says. So I want to come to this tonight because this has been really just staying in my spirit. Second Timothy 2, and then we're going to go back to Genesis 14. Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. How many of you are glad there's grace in Jesus Christ? And you can be strong in grace. You can be weak in grace. But you can be strong in grace. And the Bible says that you can even receive grace in vain. And it just really won't have effect in your life. Not because the grace of God's ineffective. But you're not exercising yourself towards it. Or with it. But be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. I, I believe Paul is writing this by the Holy Spirit. Because he knows that we're going to need to be. He knows there are things that are coming, and it is only by the grace of God that you're going to make it. And so the time to be strong in grace is any time, but the best time is before you need to be. So that when that time comes and you need to be, you don't fall apart and have to put yourself back together again. Or maybe blow your testimony, you know, in front of people. And so be strong in God's grace. And he says in verse two, and the things that you have heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. And I want to focus on this. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Endure hardness. Put up with it. Walk through it. Don't stop. Don't quit, don't faint, don't murmur, but endure it. And he's telling you to endure it. We're, we're blessed for God to be able to tell us in his word that he's a deliverer. And I believe many of us in this room tonight are blessed to have experienced God's deliverance. That we might have been in a very difficult situation or a difficult problem in our life only to find that God just snatched us out of it. We were there and the next moment we weren't there. It was over and God saved us. But he doesn't always do that. And there are times when God allows us to go into the trial and then walk through the trial. And God does not try to, dis, you know, um, disguise this as something that's going to be pleasant. He says it is hardness. 
It is affliction. It is difficult. And you're going to need to be strong in God's grace if you're going to do this. And so he says, endure the hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. And you think about the word soldier, you just think this is a person that is fit for hardness. You're not going into training, you're not going into the army, and you're not joining up to be a soldier so that you can sign up for an easy life, right? If you're going to be a soldier, you're signing up for hardship. You're signing up to be attacked. You're signing up to fight. You're signing up with the very real possibilities of being maimed or wounded or even dead. But you're signing up for that. You know it's not going to be easy. Sleepless nights, horrible food, even if you get that. Horrible conditions, rough travel, all of these things that you're going to have to face as a soldier. And the Bible is identifying you and I as soldiers, even in this context. And he says in verse 4, No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. And so a man that is at war is not entangling himself with this, this life. If, if a man is really in a, a battle, if a man is in the midst of a conflict, he's not really thinking about his next investment. He's not in the midst of a convict. Say he's on foreign soil or some other location. He's not there in the midst of a fight wondering how much of this property he can buy or what condos over there he can purchase or what job description or what job application he can fill out to get a job here. He's in a war and he's in a conflict and this is not his home and he's not interested in staying there right now. He's just interested in surviving and getting through this and getting back home. And so that is the situation. He's not entangling himself with the affairs of that life. If our soldiers, when they're in Afghanistan or wherever they might be, they're not looking for how they can build a life and a family there. They're coming back home because they're in the conflict. Well, we need to understand that, beloved, that we are not home. This, this world does not want you. And I hope that you do not want it. You're passing through this life as a pilgrim. And you have to understand that there are hardships in it and God gives you grace. And that you're identified as a soldier of Jesus Christ. Don't entangle yourself with the affairs of this life. But please the Lord. Walk with the Lord. Let Jesus Christ be your companion. Do everything for him and unto him. And so he says that, that you might please him who has chosen him to be a soldier. And so I just want to stop there and, and, and go back now to Genesis 14. And I want to read just a few verses out of this chapter where Lot is taken captive and Abraham has to come into his rescue. Um, and so I just I pray as you're getting there that the word soldier would stand out in your heart and enduring and hardness and not entangling yourself with the affairs of this life. I pray that those things will kind of just stand out in your thoughts right now. And in Genesis 14, verse 8. And there went out the king of Sodom and the king of Gomorrah and the king of Adma and the king of Zebulun and the king of Bala, the same as Zor. And they joined battle with them in the vale of Siddim. And there Shortalamar, the king of Elam, that sounded good. I don't even know if that's how you say it. I was like, wow, I hope I don't have to read that name again tonight. I don't think I could do that again. We're going to call him Shed for short. 
or Ched. Um, and with title, King of Nations, and Amraphel, King of Shinar, and Arioch, King of Elassar, four kings with five. And the veil of Siddim was full of slime pits. And the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah fled and fell there. And they that remained fled to the mountain. And they took all the goods of Sodom and Gomorrah and all their victuals and went their way. And they took Lot, Abram's brother's son, who dwelt in Sodom and his goods and departed. And there came one that had escaped and told Abram the Hebrew, for he dwelt in the plain of Mamre and the Amorite, brother of Eshcol and the brother of Anar, and these were confederate with Abram. And when Abram heard that his brother was taken captive, he armed his trained servants, born in his own house, 318, and pursued them unto Dan. And he divided himself against them, he and his servants, by night, and smote them, and pursued them to Hobah, which is on the left hand of Damascus. And he brought back all the goods and also brought again his brother Lot and his goods and the women also and the people. And what I wanted to go back to you with and read this, if you will, so that we can just take this together now in verse 14. When Abram heard that his brother was taken captive, He armed his trained servants, born in his own house, 318, and he pursued them. And he overtakes them, and he beats them, and he gets everything back, and he brings it back. And so he set all of these captives free. Now, the motivation in Abraham's heart is his brother, or his nephew Lot, and all of his family and his possessions, Because they are in a relationship. And if you will remember, Lot is a righteous man and he is just. He's living in the midst of sin and he is vexed in his soul because of the environment that he puts himself in. He doesn't have to do that, but he entangles himself with this world and he's vexed with it. But Abraham lives separate, if you will, holy. And he seeks the Lord and he serves the Lord and the Lord makes him great. And Abraham is is in alliance with other kingdoms. But when the news of this comes to him, he doesn't need them. For he has his God. And Abraham takes 318 men that were born in his house. And they were trained. And he went after this kingdom that had thousands of men. And thousands of soldiers and thousands of warriors and were skilled at war and were very capable of overcoming other nations. And with 318 men, he goes and he defeats them. And he defeats them with trained servants. Now, this is what I pray will stand out in your heart right now. That Abraham did not receive the news of Lot's captivity and then take his 318 men and take them through a crash course on warfare. 
And if that would have been the case, he would have probably been hard pressed to even deliver his brother Lot from that situation, at least with those 318 men. So before the need ever arose, before Lot was ever a prisoner, before his wife and his children were in danger of maybe being raped, Abraham and his house was prepared to go and fight. And they were prepared to go and dominate and get back everything the enemy had taken from them. Because they were trained. And I want to encourage you tonight that I believe with all of my heart the Holy Spirit has you in training. And I believe the Holy Spirit has us as a church in training. And I believe that the Holy Spirit allows us to fight battles I believe he allows us to get into the conflict. I believe he allows us to enter in into the hardness so that we might really become desperate for his grace. That we might identify ourselves as soldiers of Jesus Christ. And we understand by that that he chose us to be his soldiers and we're not home. And this is a very difficult world that we're passing through. And I say this to you tonight. Don't despise the day of training. Because you have no idea what's coming tomorrow. You do not know the phone call that you're going to receive next week. From a dear friend or a family member. Who's telling you that their teenage son is addicted to heroin or opioids. Or teenage girl is now pregnant, unwed. Or your world's falling apart. Or your husband comes home to you. And he is leaving you. Or you've lost your job. You don't know what's fixing to happen tomorrow. You don't know what's fixing to happen next week. And all of these things that we're doing as Christians. And all of these quote disciplines of our faith if you will. Can become so full of drudgery. And the mundane. That you might think, I get very little benefit out of this right now. I don't feel like doing it. And try to imagine a soldier who has been recruited by the Marines or one of the branches of our our service. and, And they're recruited and they're going into what we call boot camp. And the sergeant is calling the guys out and the women that are in there now. Calling them out for training that day. And one of them just hollers back from their beds, I'm just too tired for this today. I mean, we did it yesterday, we did it the day before, and we did it last week, and I'm a little bit tired of all of this, and I really don't understand the point, and I think I would do better service to myself if I just got some rest, because you are exhausting me, Mr. Sergeant. How would that go? Right? I remember Brother Clendenin, who was a tremendous Marine, and he was, and he fought in World War II, and he would, he would tell us in his preaching, you know, that, you, you know, it just, you're in boot camp, and they're taking boys, and they're making soldiers out of them. They're taking people who are soft and making them hard. And how many of you know this is a very soft culture? You know, can hardly go through anything, a hangnail or whatever, split ends, what? You can hardly deal with it, you know? And and yet we're supposed to be soldiers of Jesus Christ. 
And so when, when, when we come to these things and the Lord is making soldiers out of us, we, Brother Clendenin would talk about it in this fashion that, you know, every day they would go through these routines and they were exhausted and they would have to run so many miles a day and hike and they would have to sleep outside and they would have to shoot and they would have to do target practice and everything that they would go through. And, and the sergeant would say, fall in, fall out, move here, move there, do this, do that, get up, get down. And they did it over and over and over again. And if you didn't do it and you didn't comply, then you would have been severely chastened by the sergeant. And Brother Clendenin would go on to say, we had little understanding of what all of that meant until we were actually fighting in the South Pacific during World War II. And everybody in that platoon, when the sergeant barked out an order that said what was dead. If you didn't hear what he said and did it, you're not going to survive it. And so you had to follow these commands. And all of those months of, of rigorous repetition and discipline and even the boredom of it and not even understanding the purpose of it all would eventually pay off if the war actually came and you had to do some fighting. You're going to be very grateful for the training because you were being made a soldier. And beloved, I say this to you tonight, don't despise the disciplines of the Christian faith because you're in training. And sometimes the training can be very difficult. But it is not going to be as costly and severe as the actual conflict that you and I are going to be called upon to fight. Because maybe we're going to get a call from a church that is being attacked by hell and the pastor can hardly stand anymore and we as a church have to go into battle in order that through our life and through our ability to fight and through our training, we can deliver that pastor, if you will, through Christ and that church, if you will, from the conflict that they have entered into because they were not able to defend themselves against it. What are we going to do? You're fine right now. You're healthy right now. You're doing well right now. But what are we going to do if tomorrow or next week the enemy is breathing down your neck? And you have surrounded yourself with a church that has not been trained for warfare. You have not been trained for hardness and difficulty. And we consider ourselves part-time soldiers for Jesus Christ. And we're mainly tied up with this world. Than the affairs of the one who has chosen us and living pleasing to him. So I wanted to say a few things to you about this. For example, when David said, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. I do not believe that David was just giving some neat little suggestion for people. I believe that David himself was in training. Because he was suffering from despair in his life. And he was downcast and he was depressed. And so David, putting himself under spiritual discipline, understood that I cannot afford to sink into this state of being. 
Because if I allow myself to sink into this state of depression or despair, what will become of me? What will become of my family? What will become of my people? So no. Instead of sinking into that, though every emotion and feeling in me wants to be depressed and wants to give up and wants to quit, instead, I, David, would begin to command himself, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name, and forget not all of his benefits. And then David would begin to list them out. He's forgiven me of all my sins and all of my iniquities. He's healed all of my diseases. He has defeated all of my enemies. Why are you so downcast, oh my soul? Put your hope in God. He's doing spiritual exercises. This man is in spiritual training to beat the adversaries that have come against his life. And in that particular situation, it was despair or depression or whatever it might be. And maybe some of you here tonight, you begin to wonder, you know, why do I have to read the Bible so much? Why do we have to go to church all the time? Why do we have to do the praise? You know, I just don't feel like doing the praise. I know Pastor Lee asked us to praise. I know Pastor Lee asked us to come into the front and get in the altars and let's praise the Lord. But you know what? I just really don't feel like doing that today. But what if that's part of our training? And what if you're like one of those soldiers that is at boot camp and you don't want to get out of your bunk today? Because I don't feel like it. In other words, we're too emotional to live by faith. Because you think if you feel like it, then you should do it. And you're just living by your feelings. But true training and warfare training and spiritual disciplines has got nothing to do with how I feel. It is what I believe. I've heard a lot. I've watched a lot, and I made a comment to this about our to our staff yesterday. I said people talk about the presence of God a lot. You're hearing this a lot today about the presence of God, and I'm grateful that we're hearing a lot about the presence of God. And I'm talking about churches all over America, and there are pockets of churches that are experiencing revival and moves of God that are just absolutely in in proportion to the Book of Acts. There's a church in Tennessee that had been running maybe 15 to 20 people on a Sunday. They live out in the midst of nowhere. Nowhere. There might be 150 people living in their community. And there's about 20 people that would come to their church on a Sunday. One day, the pastor showed up to church. And there were hundreds of people standing at his door. Hundreds. He didn't know what to do. He opened up the church house and it wasn't able to hold everybody. But they didn't stop coming. They started moving to Tennessee from Kentucky. They started moving there from other states to be in this church because they had felt compelled by God to go to this church. There's a move of God that is happening that is absolutely incredible. I want to be in that. I want to be a part of that. But you can't have a move of God without a move of hell. And we have to be prepared and we have to be ready to fight the battles of the Lord. We have to be a people who are trained for warfare. 
It's not enough that we can quote the scriptures or we can read Bible passages or say, oh, I've got a Bible study on that. No, it's not that. It's one thing, and when, when you're, you're doing target practice, it's one thing to hit the mark every time. It's quite different when somebody's shooting back at you. So it's one thing for you to know the scriptures and you got the Bible passages, but how are you doing out there on the streets? How are you out there doing in hand-to-hand combat with the enemy? Do you have the experience of it? Are you trained? And, and for me as a pastor, that is what is in my spirit, in my heart for us. Because I believe that we're going to have to rescue a lot of people. And I think that's a privilege. I think there are prodigals out there that are being held captive by Satan. And I think that the church is going to have to go into that darkness like Jesus came into our darkness. And he's going to have to command that devil to let him go. But the church has got to go out there. And I thank God there are people here that are being raised up to do that. And they're doing that. And I thank the Lord for that. And so I ask you this in in, in all sincerity. These disciplines of our faith. When you come to the presence of God. and, And we're hearing a lot about the presence of God today. I was saying this to the staff. I said there's a burden that people seem to confess that. I want people to be in the presence of God. And that is a good burden to have. But there's a more pressing burden. There's a burden that needs to be greater than that burden. And that is the burden in people to provide the presence of God. Because if we don't provide the presence of God, then how can anybody enter into it? Now, you might not really understand that, but let me explain it to you. We are the ones who have the opportunity to request by invite what spirit will prevail over our congregation. We can come in here with a religious spirit. And a religious spirit will begin to prevail. And I'm talking about real spirits. And a real religious spirit could begin to pervade within our congregation. We could come in here and be depressed. And a spirit of oppression and and depression could begin to fall and shroud itself over us. And people would come in and say, oh my, they seem very depressed. They seem very oppressed in that church. You ever been to a church where you felt that way? Why? Because you invite that spirit by what you praise. If you praise God and you live in faith and you live in belief and you act in that, then as you praise God, you're inviting the presence of God. But if you begin to agree with depression and despair and unbelief and doubt and unforgiveness and bitterness and lackadaisicalness and laziness, then you are inviting those kinds of spirits to take over. Now, what we have to do is, is we have to be in training, if you will, exercising our faith. That's what we're doing. We're exercising our faith because if I can't get in or manifest or know the manifest presence of God and enter into the presence of God and provide the presence of God in an easy day, what am I going to do when it's a day of war? And, And listen, you might say, well, I'll do it then. And it's possible you can. But just open your eyes up for just a moment 
and try to recollect how suddenly things have come upon you in the past and how quickly you sunk. Look at others, believers, who really love God and were not prepared for the evil day tomorrow. And when the evil day came, they were not ready for it. And they stumbled or they collapsed or they went through a period that was a very difficult and dark period that maybe they wouldn't have had to go through if they had been walking and practicing the presence of God in their life through the times of training. And so, guys, I just say to you, it is important for us to understand that the spiritual disciplines that have been given to us in the Word of God, prayer, church attendance. Why do we have to go so much? Well, I could just say because the Bible says to. But why does the Bible say to? So that you can be matured, so that you can have the access to the gifts of the Spirit through other people's lives, so that you can receive and give encouragement from other people. And so maybe it's an easy day today. But what if tomorrow's it's a difficult day? And we've already been in training about church attendance and Bible reading and prayer and praise and worshiping God and exercising our gifts and speaking in tongues and praying in the Holy Ghost and believing God and stepping out and fighting the smaller skirmishes because of the great giant we're going to have to fight tomorrow. And David realized that. He realized that Goliath was going to be an easy prey to him. And his credentials, as he laid it out to Saul, was, I beat a lion and a bear by the power of God. So what is this uncircumcised Philistine to him? You see, David had been trained and nobody knew it. Nobody knew it. Not David's dad, not his brothers, but David knew it. I was made for this day. I was made for that giant, and he was trained for it. And beloved, I want us to be that church. I want us to be that people that we don't grow weary if the days are boring or it seems just ritualistic. Don't let it be ritualistic. Put your faith into it. Believe God. Deal with God according to the promises of it. Of why do I go to church? Why do I read the Bible? Why do I say my prayers? Why do I worship God? Why do I praise Him? Why do I do that? Because if we cannot practice the presence of God now, what are we going to do? Maybe when the enemy comes against your life tomorrow. Or if we have to go rescue somebody. And I'm talking about spiritual rescue. Because we take up the arms that we have been given. Prayer and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Do you know that your gifts can increase? Do you know that you're supposed to minister in your gift according to your faith? And to the proportion of your gift? The more you minister that gift, the more your faith grows. And the more your faith grows, the more the gift grows. Do you know that you in your life, either now or in the near future could be walking in such an enlarged anointing in ministry that you never dreamed you would have it. But if you don't exercise the gift you have now, it will never grow. It will never grow. 
If you don't exercise the gifts of the Spirit now and pray and seek the Lord with that. So I want to close with this tonight. And I just want you to please understand it and take it to heart. That the burden of our life should be to provide the presence of God. So that those who want his presence could enter into it. I want that with all of my heart. I know people are fighting battles tonight. I come into church. I'm tired. I hurt my shoulder Monday night. I haven't slept for two days. I'm going to Nebraska tomorrow. I'm preaching five times in three days. And I'm tired. But I came in here and I know and I understand that people are fighting a battle. And the greatest thing that I can do for you if I really love you. Is to live and worship in such a way that God's presence would be invited to be here among us. So that he can help you. And shame on me. If I'm just a little congregationalist Christian that goes and finds a seat and doesn't care for the body. And I'm not saying that about you guys. But I'm just saying let's be the people in training. Let's understand that I'm in training. Sometimes I'm in war. And then other times I'm in training. And let's go for it. And let's rescue people. And let us be able to say one day or let it be written of us one day in the Chronicles of God. That first New Testament church and those that were born of the spirit in that house and trained of the Lord in that house. They went out and they delivered a lot of their brothers and their sisters from oppression and affliction and bondage. And they got it all back. They got it all back. The devil got nothing. He got nothing. So please pray with me. And don't ever let these exercises be futile. Your Bible reading, your prayers, your praise, your worship, your altar time. You're in training. You're in training. You're becoming familiar with it now. Familiar with Him now. That you might walk in that fullness and in that life. It's not in vain that you speak to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and sing and make melody in your heart to the Lord and give thanks. It's not in vain. You're in training. You're learning how to be filled with the Spirit and how to walk in the Spirit. It's all part of the process. So be encouraged, beloved. You fought more battles than you even realize. Some of the things you thought was training was real battles. God brought you through and he will bring you through every one of them. But be strong in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad for grace? Just begin to thank God right now for grace. Isn't it beautiful that God gives us that? Just gives us his power, his ability, his enabling. Enable us, Jesus, with your power, with your Holy Spirit. Beloved, pray in your tongues. The Bible tells you to do it. I don't care what your emotions say. I don't care what people around you say. The Bible says when you pray in your tongues, you edify your inner man. So do it and pray and praise and minister and lay your hands on the sick and pray for them. Don't be afraid of oppressed people. Go in the name of Jesus and command the oppression to let them go. Go share the gospel. Go share the gospel. Drop an atomic bomb on hell. Share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Many will be set free. 
Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your grace. Thank you that you have chosen us, your sons and daughters, to be soldiers for you. Thank you. Because we win. We've won. Because you've won. You've overcome the world. You've given us the victory. Thank you. And thank you that in the hardship you've given us grace and help and power. God, help us to fight for one another. Help us to be a means by which you can deliver our brothers and sisters from captivity, God. Oh, in the precious name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Just begin to give him thanks. Just begin to exercise that. Begin to do that discipline. You open your mouth. You speak things. It's not so hard to do. It's really not. And he's so worthy. He's so worthy. And I just thank you, Lord, that you are the present God. And you're the God that does not forsake us. And you do not abandon us. And you train us for the battles we'll face tomorrow. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your goodness and your mercy and your kindness toward us, God. Thank you for ministry that you put in us, God. Thank you for gifts that you've given us. Teach us, Lord. Teach us by the Holy Spirit to exercise those gifts. To grow in those giftings. To grow in our anointing, Father. Teach us how to walk in your spirit like that. Encourage the people, Father. Those that are fainting. Those that are weary. Those that are fatigued. Those that are tired. Those that may have lost the vision of the purpose of it. Renew it to them tonight, God. In the name of Jesus.